So I to believe it's 16, and then we will break it down. And I'll put it up here on the screen. We bounced around a little bit, but I'll make it happen. So the all the way back to before Christmas. We talked about the biblical qualifications for elders and deacons as overseers and as servants. We talked about um, this mystery of godliness that, that Timothy calls us to, and how it's manifested of being a pillar, being a and then teachers, um, demonic false teachers that are trying to pull you away from the truth of the gospel. And so Paul is warning Timothy in this section, like, hey, watch out, there's false teachers. They're going to try to make your faith about what food you eat and don't eat and all these things, and that's not what is core to what we're, what we're trying to go for in sharing the gospel. The good news of Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection on the cross, and that our lives are lived because we are saved, that we are clean from our sin because of the cross, not because of our effort or something we do. And then he says these words. If you you will be being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine myths. While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I read Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy, where the council of elders laid their hands on you, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and all the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. So Paul continuing in what he's already said. And we're going to see next week when we get into chapter 5 that, what is it next week? Yes. In chapter 5, there's instructions to the church. So when, when this is being read, you have to remember that as Timothy is reading this to his church, there's stuff for Timothy that's almost personal and very private and encouragement for Timothy that the whole church would hear. Then there's also stuff for the church to hear that really who's going to be helping with this. So you can imagine, like, false teachers, and in this congregation of people hearing this, talking about awkward. He says the same thing. You're going to hear, as he's encouraging Timothy, the people who are listening, that he's encouraging them about, that are maybe questioning him because of his youth, that Paul of this in one setting. So there's Timothy's encouragement. The church gets to hear. Paul is for him. There's some correct saying this, and the church is going to be going, ooh, maybe that's me. I don't know. Kind of. Have you ever been in one of those services or someone speaking and you left feeling, that one was right to me. That was right for me. I think God was speaking to me in that moment. And yeah, the Spirit, um, but I promise you, anybody that comes up here and preaches, whether it's me or one of our elders, um, no one is sitting at home going, you know, I think maybe Bob's going to be there, and he really needs to hear from the Lord that he's a mess. So how can I work this in just so he feels it? Is anyone here named Bob? Okay. I was thinking Bob. We're in the middle of preaching dealing with, things in family and pain, and, and yeah, thinking about what you're going through right now. And so that's with a list of people we need to hit every Sunday. So Paul, 
There are going to be people hearing this going, ooh, ooh, that's me, ooh. So he's encouraging Timothy, and he's also correcting this church a little bit. He says, part of these things, that we're not going to listen to these people who are trying to say you can't get married, that food, what you eat matters. That's So the people hearing Timothy being told by Paul, Fools are in the room. And he said, You will be in the words of faith and of the good doctrine you have followed. So that this letter, the believers in the room, the ones who are closest to God, who really care about the Word of God, are going to be with you in this fight against the false teachers. Quit worrying and saying that there's people in the room with you who are for you. Don't get freaked out by the people who are going to be against you. Pretty simple, right? You've been trained in the faith and good doctrine you followed. Don't forget it. And don't be so easily swayed by silly myths. By a The same connotation in Greek, it kind of, we could say wives' tales. The same language is used of just myths. And we've all been around when people say things and the myths of things you should do. They, they run the gamut of that's either great and homeopathic is the term we use now. And we just do it because Grandma said to do it. I'll never forget struggling with my grandmother and said, well, you're supposed to just um, dip your face in a bowl of water and cornstarch, and that'll take care of it. So, a bowl of water and cornstarch. I don't think it did anything. Thick in my skin, because cornstarch is a thickener. No, I don't know. What happened in our house was you poured peroxide in your ear. I don't know if that does anything, and you medical people in the room can say that was dumb or not. But then when my kids are little, and we're doing what? That doesn't do anything. Well, my mom did it to me. Just because your mom doesn't mean... You understand the conversations. This goes into coffee grounds in your landscaping to keep the rodents away. and all these. There's a million things out there. Now, if that infects the church, where it becomes we have not... We're not resting on being trained in good doctrine. Instead, we're resting on, well, you know, I, I heard the other day that Jesus didn't really die on the cross. Then he had a twin. And one and I don't know if you know that's a that's a theory that exists out there. And so the twin is in there because there were twins around and they just run with this whole silly myth. And you start letting that stuff sprinkle in. Well, I I I read this online, I saw it online, my 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 old pastor. You're not going to the truth of the Word of God in which you've been taught. You've said yes to, and instead you let all the silly myths come along. Major, we ha- any say you you want based upon what regurgitating what some other person had written, and so the t- the mark was your according to's. Here are my ideas. These are my thoughts. Regurgitating things. But according to this author, according to this event, according to this research, it seems like my idea is the proper idea. And it's, it's a bit alarming, the lack of critical thinking and the ability to actually put some things together without saying, what line right way. Well, great. I can think all kinds of things that are definitely not the right way. Where's your according to's? And so I get my students to be able to think for themselves, know research, and come up with wise conclusions. I think I have the same goal as a pastor. Yes, shepherding and leading, and to help you see things in Scripture. I spend a lot of time studying, but I also, my goal is that when, if I say something that's off, 
and you have one of these head tilts, which I see some of you do often. It's usually the dumb things I say. You'll do one of these. Or maybe one of these. That you would then go home because you have been encouraged to think for yourself. You will look when you discover that I'm wrong. or it doesn't make sense or it's confusing, then you'll come to me. You'll say, hey, you said this last week. I'm not so sure that yes, I'm to do, but it doesn't mean that I'm always right. It doesn't mean that I have everything figured out. It doesn't mean that, that what I say, I'm not God. I am not the author of the Scriptures. I'm just a guy trying to help people see the truth for what it is right in front of you. And so Paul's telling Timothy, You've been trained. Be a good servant. Being trained in the words and faith in the good doctrine you followed. That you hear something that that sounds kind of good. You should immediately go. Well, let me check. I'm not saying don't use technology, but you shouldn't stay there. You Google it, find some stuff, and then come back here and go, well, that's, that doesn't make sense. Or, wow, I really understand it now. And so Paul's telling Timothy, the way to not be swayed by these silly myths is to know your doctrine, to know the Word, to know what you know. He continues and says, this is required. You don't just come to this. He uses it. Kind of. He's good for that. Where are we at? Here. Thing is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive. Because we have Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So he tells Remember, the church is hearing this. Train yourself for godliness. Now, Paul is not saying, when he, he kind of bodily, training for your body to be strong, you should have in your spirit through the word, through prayer, through relationship. At some point, things are not going to work the way they used to when you were 20, for all of us in our 40s. It's just not you get work it. Put your body. That's not what Paul's saying. But he's saying if you're going to put effort towards that, if you're going to put effort wrong and educated and knowledge and your work, and you should be putting effort towards your walk with God. You should be spending time in the Word. You should be spending time with other people to help grow you. You should be spending time in prayer because that's what matters the most. And he's also saying, it doesn't mean this is easy. We toil and we strive. Like I've multiple times. I've done the read through the Bible in a year plan a lot. Eli and I have done it consistently for at least three years, I think. Um, and so we try great app and Sometimes we discuss it, sometimes we don't, sometimes we dig in. Like Those are all great things, but it requires discipline. It requires effort. If you're only Sunday mornings for an hour and a half, hour and 40, whatever long I talk, if then you're towards things outside of faith. And that's not good. That's how you get swayed by a, a rep. You're spending the day on the TV or the internet. And if you're spending four to six hours and digesting and taking in all of this media and social media and news and YouTube videos and the TikToks and all that stuff, I don't, I don't have that. I don't. I can't dance, so why even have it? You are, and you're only devoting of your week to God, then of course you're going to be easily swayed by silly myths. Of course, 
there. Um, I wish I could tell you that I spend two hours a day devoted to the Word and prayer and journaling. There are split up through the day, but I abilities and I have, I get it. That's why Paul tells Timothy that we toil and strive for this. He's not saying this comes easy. There are seasons where we're real in tune. Like our prayer life is solid and we're talking to God a lot and we're reading, we're in some great books, and there are seasons where sometimes I think we feel that we lack. That's all of us. That's all of us. The Paul it's so important. As leaders, as followers of Christ, if you want to, to not be pushed and pulled and twisted by fear and driven out of faith, and you have I know we don't like to talk about discipline a lot, but we have to have a plan. We have to have... When I, it, it, it creeped up. Off, or I wasn't preaching. That doesn't happen a whole lot, um, but it I grew a bit hard to live with. I think you can ask Amber. And so we have rest. And so I was. Well, I'm just going to not think about this stuff. I'm not because if I'm doing a daily devotion, that feels like work because that's my job. So I'm just going to disengage and just try to relax. It did not go well for me. Um, very quickly, the flesh creeps up. I was think I was pretty hard to live with. She can verify or deny. Yeah, uh, when is your next sermon coming up? Maybe start studying for that now. I would read a plan, go through the Bible in a year kind of plan, but I wouldn't do a deep study, except for what I was preaching. So now I've learned that I can't, that's not, that's not good for me. It's not good for me to not be in a deep study, to not have my mind occupied. Um, like in my, I know in Monday, I've read it about five or six times, I know what's coming, and that is in my head for the next week. If I disengage from that, it's not good for me. We need discipline. And that's what Paul's trying to get Timothy to see. It's sometimes we need help. We need the plan. We need some people to hold us accountable. We need people around us. We need a group of people that are in our corner. We need a crew. Um, so I'm going to invite Raina and Catherine up. They're going to describe as a church that they have been modeling and kind of testing out for... Uh, Couple, well, a year, two, five. Um, been doing this for a while, um, and then we're going to introduce it to you as a church, and then we're going to run with this in the next couple weeks. So I'll turn it over to you guys. Put this here so it can be recorded. So, as Mike just said, we have been experimenting, trying out discipleship band, and um, I've been part of one for five years, Catherine's over two years now, and what a discipleship band is, is another thing that helps us grow in this godliness that Timothy is talking about, and there's a verse, too, in that passage that he just read that helps us get attuned to the hope that we have, and I would say a discipleship band very much attunes us to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so what, a, what is a band? A band is a group of three to five people, same gender, that read together, pray together, and meet together. Their reading is centered around scripture. It can be straight scripture. We tend to use a written devotional that comes to our email every single morning. It's called the Seedbed Daily Text. We read it. We respond daily or about daily to one another, several times a week, I would say. We pray together both by sharing requests via text message, by when we're together, we pray for each other in those moments, and then we meet together. Ideally, bands meet together once a week. We have found that once a week is oftentimes too much, just with our schedules and stuff, and so we tend to meet once a month. All that said, bands 
can be developed according to what the participants choose to make it. Something that bands are not. Bands are not a typical small group. They are not just an accountability group. Bands are not another Bible study. There's aspects of all of those things in a band, but bands tend to, in their smaller size, go a little bit deeper than just discuss the scriptures. We go into a place where we discuss our souls and things of that nature. So, go ahead and advance the next slide, please. This equation, time plus trust equals transformation, is something that I have seen to be true in my experience with a band over the years. The more time you spend together and developing that trust, it truly does lead to that transformation or the way that Paul is describing it to Timothy is that development of godliness in toiling for our uh, our health as Christians and our uh, intimacy with Christ. So I have asked Catherine to share about her experience with that equation as well, seeing how a band has impacted her. So she's going to share briefly as well. Hello, can you hear me okay? Um, I held a little bit of a cleaning product yesterday, and so my airway is a little rough. So if I start coughing, I am not sick. It's just that, and I'm okay. <laughs> um, but I'm just going to share a little bit of my testimony in general and the testimony of in the band. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, but behind closed doors, my dad was a pretty bad alcoholic. Um, and with that, we looked good on the outside, but on the inside, there's quite a bit of turmoil. Um, and I think that really changed my trajectory of kind of my life and how I lived. Um, I could perform well, but behind closed doors, I was really struggling. Um, the end of high school and throughout college, I was into partying quite a bit. And since this is a younger crowd than first service, I just want to touch on the partying. I think for me, it wasn't so much the alcohol, but it was the first time I did feel like community and I could laugh and relax. Um, but I was underage and it got me into trouble. I got an MIP, um, went through a bad breakup, and at that point I was like, okay, this isn't working. Um, so I finished college, and I actually moved to Laramie. I got a job in radiology. I've been here about six years. Um, but when I moved here, I really prayed. I'm like, God, I want to know you, and I want to know your word. Like, I really want to know it. Um, so I just kind of dived in between really here, LBC, and Snowy Range. I took a bunch of classes, uh, went to Israel. I was in, like, three Bible studies at a time. So I was getting all this knowledge, but there's really a disconnect between my life and my heart and this knowledge to me. Um, so eventually I joined the women's ministry team here, and I uh, got really connected with the ladies on that group, and Raina is one of them. And she uh, brought up bands, and okay, I honestly thought it was going to be like another Bible study, um, but it just, it's not. It's a lot deeper than that. And then I think for the first time in my life, started to share um, what's really going on inside and um, we grew up in an alcoholic home that's pretty scary when you're just used to like putting on a facade. Um, but with that, while I've been in the same the last few years, my dad has also kind of been in a band um, where he's at and he's actually sober. Um, and I am going to share something kind of personal, but my birthday was last month, and um, my dad is not a man of a lot of words. Uh, growing up, he was pretty sarcastic and kind of angry. Um, so just reading this card, I think you can really see, like, that work. Um, God has done like both our hearts and our lives. Um, for my birthday, he did ask me what I wanted, and I'm like, oh, just a card with some nice words. My love language is words of affirmation. So he put, happy birthday, Catherine. I know you said just a card was a nice word, but you are worth so much more. Not only to God, but to me too. I have never told you how proud of you I am. And when you are in the middle of hard days or hard times, remember, God is with you and so am I. I can remind you of all your accomplishments, but it is your beautiful godly spirit that comforts me and everyone you come into contact with. Um, and so it's really just changed. Um, yeah, how I operate now. I'm so much different at work and in my friendships and um, with my family even. I feel like I'm finally bringing my whole self, not just 
a facade or parts of myself that I think are lovable. Um, and it's really transformed the way I see God's love for me, too. Um, I think he worked differently. When I go into the world, I'm working out of, I know I'm loved and I know who I am, versus, like, am I enough for you? Can, you know, will you love me back? And, um, yeah, that really, a lot of healing came through my discipleship band. And I think to also seek encouragement, this is like 20 years of prayer answered. I mean, sometimes you get that, you know, and sometimes God answers it in a different way. And I'd say even if my dad never got sober, a lot of healing came from that small group. Um, and I think that's how God works. He's such a redeemer, even in ways that you just didn't picture. So thank you for letting me share. And that's my prayer of our church going forward to um, really, like, band and be known. So thank you. few more details. If you haven't grabbed this bi-weekly bulletin, there is a QR code on it. There's a stack of them on the back table. You can grab one on your way out. If you scan this, you'll be taken to an informational form that gives me your information and also gives you a website to go to to check it out more. We are... Go ahead and skip that slide for me, Mike. We are going to... Meet in two weeks, two Sundays from now, just for one hour for a Q&A session for me to describe more details about what bands are. If you're interested in considering banding together, this would be an opportunity for you to come and say, yes, I would love to be a part of a band. No, I have no clue who I'm going to band with. Or maybe you're already part of a group of three to five people and you have been doing a Bible study for years and years and you want to try something new. We can band you together and give you the structure for that as well. So um, QR code, scan that. Also, there are a few other people in our congregation who have experimented with bands or are a part of a band right now. If you are one of those who knows about bands, how they work, how they work for you, can you stand up for me and let people come and talk to you if they would like to? Amber, Pam, Catherine, and myself. Craig. Craig in the back, thank you. Craig in the back, Mike, Cole have both been part of bands, Melissa has been a part of a band, and also just so you know, the way that people have met together in bands hasn't always been successful, and they would love to share with you what they liked about their band, what worked, what didn't work, and many of those who banded and it didn't work out, they can testify as to what didn't work out and are interested in trying again too. So don't be afraid to talk to any of those people. Ask them all the ins and outs and nitty-gritties. And I would encourage all of you to be honest, too. They're not perfect. It's not a perfect group of people coming together. But I have found in my time as a band that that connection we have with one another in a band format goes beyond anything. Because of the questions, can you go backwards? As you can see, those, those are some of the questions that we work through when we meet together. And even that initial question, how is your soul? How is your soul takes it quite a bit deeper than just a quick, how are you? And so you get the idea. And, and the more time you spend together, the deeper you can go together. Those final two questions, you don't typically deal with right from the very beginning. That takes trust and that takes time. But then once we do start confessing our sin and dealing with those deeper things, you'd be amazed at how how much you learn, how very much God loves you because your band people still accept you, even in the darkness. So I pray that we would, as a church, continuing to continue to toil and fight for our relationships with Christ. And that's one way we can do it. So let me know if you have questions. QR code will get you more information or let me know that you're interested. Uh, I would say that guys I meet with, we have struggled with some consistency. I think Craig can shake his head back there, that one. Um, we chose to, uh, one of the guys in our group is very much an expert at the, the Uversion Bible app. And so he always finds like a reading plan to go through. And so we did that for a while. Um, we've kind of struggled with consistency. I don't think we've met since before Christmas. And so we said, hey, let's meet. And I, I distinctly remember once when Craig's like, hey, we meeting today? And I, I'm pretty sure I completely blew him off and just forgot all about it. Something had come up and I forgot. And so we've struggled with some consistency. So it's not perfection. There's not, but there's, 
if you're going to toil together, like Paul's telling Timothy, then we're going to toil through that too. Um, some groups meet weekly, some groups meet every other week, and like Raina shared, those Raina and Catherine, they meet about once a month. And so the point is that we're coming together because you can't do this alone. If you're just reading your Bible, and you're journaling, then the silly myths can kind of start to filter in because you got nobody there with you. It, we're, we're to be together. Um, I have a feeling that the discipleship band, their whole program stole from Band of Brothers a little bit because you take a, a TV show that was on about a band of people and you've got each other's backs and you know, you've got this military context of we're in a fight for faith and we're in a fight for the kingdom. And we need each other. Um, there was a group of guys but, but in West Virginia, and some of you heard this story before, but when I leave the church in West Virginia or not, I was, there was so much turmoil going on, I couldn't trust my own emotions. And I was, we were, I was struggling a little bit. I didn't really know what was happening. I wasn't really sure if I the flesh because I wanted out. And so uh, a, a meeting happened from the church. It was time to start seeing what else he had for me. And I called these three guys men's ministry with. They spoke at my ordination. And I said, I, can you meet me at the church tomorrow night? Of course. And so we show up. I tell them what's going on. Like, I feel like God's released me from this church. I feel like it's time for me to, to move on. And, and I like, moment. Like this powerful. And they just looked at me and said, we wonder how long it's going to take you. Like, what? For a while, and we didn't know if you were just being stubborn and we're digging in, or if God had. We weren't sure, but of course, Mike, we think it's it's time. It's time. This this your soul's being crushed. God has something else for you. It's time. So they prayed over me. You can go to my office and see the last people around me praying over me and releasing me to come to Wyoming. It was um, pretty powerful. Um, and one one of those guys has come and visited and worshipped with us, and we it was pretty cool. But without prone to the silly myths and the irreverent, the irrelevant things that are happening, because you don't have people to look at you and go, "No, that's not what God would say." No, if you're left find anything in here and say, "You know, I think in here the Lord says I should do this," because that's not you need people. To check you on that. Okay? So to continue, BYOL, bring your own lunch, um, and then you can learn more about it. He then, verse 11, command for youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. There's It's a step. Are confused by the word of God. You don't agree with. You don't understand. They confuse you. The way to learn more the word of God. You can't like it. So I just put my Bible on the shelf, and now I just do whatever I think comes to my mind. We don't. You know. your house blows up. Well, whose fault is it? Well, you did in that area, you could have called someone that had more knowledge to help you with this. A friend, somebody actually does it for a living. Set it aside and just walk through life. That's We don't do that with anything else. We don't do that. More information about it, you dig in, you study, you research. You do with everything. We have to have the same kind of diligence with the Word of God. And so he tells Timothy, teach these things. Teach people discipline. Teach people to dig in. Teach people to strive. That sometimes it's hard, but the work is worth it. Now, Timothy, we believe, is in his 30s, early 30s-ish, during this time in Middle Eastern culture. Wisdom. So you would say, where you are means you have more wisdom. There's truth in that. 
There's truth in but you shouldn't be discredited just because you're younger. You know, here in a college town that we have had deacons in our church. We don't reserve um, those places of leadership just because you're 20. If you have served, then we will gladly welcome you into leadership. One of the in ministries around the country is if you're a part of a campus ministry like Navigators or FCA or Campus Venture, BCM, like you will get, you have the capacity to on through your college years. There are college students that are graduating from across the road that have been through summer-long intensive discipleship training programs. They are gifted leaders, and then they walk out of their college life with all this experience and all this training, and they show up in a church in their early 20s, and they go to someone in leadership and say, hey, uh, I've been through all this training. I'd like to, and if they would ever person, or it's been said to you, well, we have a college Bible study. Like, yeah, I know I've led them, is typically the response. And so that's why we have chosen here at the church that we don't single out and separate. We're like, just be a part of everything going on in the church. Just come on, be a part of this Bible study. Not saying that there's not a time for those. We want to encourage, it's not about your youth. Your age is a factor. And so Paul, because you're young, because you know what's happening, can't you? There's someone in their mid to late 60s in this church saying, who do you think you are, Timothy? You're 30. Who do you think you are? You can't be my senior pastor because you're in your 30s. I, you could be my you're to be my shepherd, you could be my child. And my child doesn't tell me what to do. You can just imagine the murmuring. And so remember, this letter is being read to Timothy for encouragement, and the entire church is hearing this as well. So Paul said, I you for your youth. But, you should call it the Baptist but. Conduct and love and faith and purity. So he tells Timothy, Timothy, don't let them despise Show them with your life that you are worthy to be called a leader. Now, this doesn't mean perfection. I'm looking across the room at the leaders we have in our church, and myself included. No. But there should, the collectiveness of a community would be, yeah, he loves the Lord. She's a good leader. Yeah, she. I, I would follow her. I'd follow him. I would. Yeah, it's. Oh man, he. Met, but he owned it. He said progress. I, so he's. But you can help. You can get life. Show people that you live out your faith. And that's what Catherine was sharing. It's not just about the head knowledge of the facts. Like we can, you can study, parse the scripture and do the, the diagrams and you can do all of that. People, you're unapproachable and no one wants to talk to you. Then it's just head knowledge. No one wants to talk to you. No one wants to be around you. But instead, let your life bring people in and can help get past. He then continues. Until there's a slight warning in there. Well, remember, this letter's being read to the whole congregation. I come, so I write, oh, Paul's coming to town. I don't know, but what's going to happen? Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. He's telling Timothy, don't stop. Even though you got people around you that might not think you're worthy of this, don't stop. Don't let the people drag you down. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Remember. Remember that the elders laid their hands on you. They said you had this gift. That's why the idea of a, a discipleship band is so important. 
Because when you're at your darkest and you feel down, you feel worthless, you feel that you can't measure up, that you're not good enough, then you have some people around you to say, oh, man, I know this is a bad week, this is a bad time. Don't you remember what happened? Do you remember that moment? Do you remember how you served? Do you remember how you took care? Don't let some fool who's come along and doesn't even know you very well say these things about you. He's telling Timothy, keep up the work. Don't let the murmuring, don't let the people who are criticizing drag you down. Keep up the work. This could also equate to don't let the enemy drag you down which is often the way he gets at us. You don't measure up. You're not good enough. You don't have the capacity. You've messed up again. How dare you? You can't be in that position. comes after you. And Paul is telling Timothy, don't forget that there are people who have trusted you. Don't forget that there's a call in your life. Don't forget that. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself, on the teaching, and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Practice these things. Immerse yourself. Do this so that people can see progress. There should be progress in it. Doesn't mean you have to achieve perfection. Now, why do we go down this road? Oh, in the last part. Save both yourself and your hearers. This isn't, this isn't workspace righteousness. Remember, he's in the context of who is being, who's listening, who's there, who's hearing this. This isn't Paul saying that if you work real hard and practice, that's how you save yourself. That's not what he's saying. He's getting at the general, you're going to save yourself from temptation, you're going to save yourself from the false teachers, you're going to save, this isn't a, a, what's the big word? Salvific. Matt, is that the word? A salvific issue. This is about, being saved from all the pressure and all the pain and all the stuff on the outside telling you you're worthless. But he says, practice this stuff. Keep a close watch on your teaching. Persist in it. It's how you're going to... This isn't just about being right. It's not about being right. It's not about having the exact diagram of that passage. It's not about being able to just have a whole book of the Bible memorized. It's not about having uh, 30 years of journals in a prayer journal. Like I hear stories. There's a story in the hometown that we grew up in where the, it's, there, it's a very strong Catholic community and there was a nun who would get prayer requests in the community and she would pray that list every day. And it grew over 20 years to be almost an entire notebook full of... And when she would get a response, like she would get a... Like, hey, there's here's the answer to this prayer, or the person passed, she would scratch it off. But if she never heard about it, she continued to pray for that person. And there was a, a woman that we went to church with, and she had a very preemie baby. And so it came out that she needed to pray for this baby who'd been born, very tiny. And so she prayed for that baby for about 20 years. And then this nun was in the hospital, and her nurse was the mom of this preemie. And as they got talking about what was going on and this, all this stuff, and, and she breaks out her notebook because she's in the hospital for heart issues, and she makes the connection of the name. She goes, oh, I can mark, I can mark Brandy off the list. What? She opens up her notebook and flips to Brandy, and she marks her off the list, and she got the answer to prayer. She'd been praying for this. She was at the time a late teenager, early 20s, marked her off the list that she knew that she made it. She never knew if that preemie that whatever happened never got an answer and she'd been praying for this child for over 20 years. I hear those stories and I go, oh, wow. I need a list like that. I need to have a list and what a great story. And you can write books about that. That's a great sermon illustration. That's a, oh, I want that. I don't have that. I don't have it. I, I pray. I have prayer lists. I don't have that. I don't... But it, if, I, if I don't see that my whole life is about Christ, and instead I start looking at the task, well, gosh, to be a good Christian, you have that prayer list. That's, I, got, I got the checkbox, I got the task list, I got the to-do list, I want to make it happen, I'm going to read through the Bible every year the rest of my life, I'm going to make sure that I pray 30 minutes every day, I'm going to make sure that I journal for 30 minutes every night, oh, then I've arrived. Then it's about effort. It's not about life. It's not about loving God, 
loving my time with him, enjoying. There's no joy in it. It's just work. And the discipline should lead to joy. And if my whole life is immersed in that relationship, then it flows natural. It flows free. It's part of every fabric of who I am. I, I know this might be a shocker, but when I'm driving in my truck, I don't always listen to Christian music. I know. I know. Pretty terrible of me. But I can promise you when I'm feeling disconnected from God, I feel like I need something I need, then I need to worship in my truck. There are times when it's just a podcast or something dumb or whatever, or I try to expose my children to more heavy metal than they're exposed to because I'm a good dad. But there's times when my soul is is feeling weak. And so I always throw in David Crowder. Always. Leads to other stuff and it fills my soul. There are times when I need to reach out there, but if I'm immersed in my relationship with God, and I let conversations flow to things of faith, I let my friendships flow towards those things, I let my marriage and my raising my kids and my life flow towards Christ, then it becomes not a chore. It just becomes like a heartbeat. It's just like taking a breath. Are there moments where I fall short? Of course. But the goal that Timothy's trying to get the message from Paul about, that Paul's trying to impart into him, is that the closer you are to God and the closer you see everything as part of the kingdom of God, the less effort you're putting in and the more it just becomes life. If I'm only focusing on God three, four hours a week between church and maybe some Bible studies in the morning or whatever, then I'm not going to understand what a life with Christ really is like. But instead, if everything flows from that, and I set my family up that way, I set life up that way, when I get a phone call and something, there's been a tragedy in town, and I'm, we're in the middle of dinner, or it's just happened, or whatever's going on, then I look at the family and say, hey, I'm going to be out for a couple hours, something's happened, and I go. And so then I'm able to then later go, hey, because I spent that time over here, now it's time to play that great Midwestern game of Euchre. And even though Savannah and I got beat, we will have many a rematch. Like there's time. It's about in a total immersion into this life with Christ by our sides. So, practical things. I think it is good to put things on paper. I think it's good to have some tasks as long as you aren't so rigid with them that when you mess up, you feel worthless. You do know that when you start a Bible reading plan and it's an everyday Bible reading plan that you can just skip a day? You know that, right? Like there's no... You can't say, man, I haven't opened up that Bible plan for two days. And then you feel this pressure, and you're like, well, now i got three days to catch up on. Oh, and you just stop. You are capable of just going, check mark, check mark, moving to this day. I missed Monday and Tuesday. Hey, Wednesday's here. It says Wednesday. I'm going to start there. And too often, we just get so caught up. Well, I haven't sat down and wrote in my... I haven't put anything in my journal for three days. Well, now I've got to make sure I fill in Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. No, you don't. I would love for us to all have a sense of urgency and discipline to get up and daily do those things, but when we mess up, you can't let it crush your soul. You jump right back into it. Your band hasn't met for two months because life and all this, you don't go, well, we just need to stop meeting because we, we missed our two monthly checkups, so I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Oh, you get together the next month. The goal is that as we strive together, our lives will be completely immersed in this Christian life. So no matter what comes our way, we're not bumped by fear, we're not bumped by circumstance, things don't take us completely off guard, we have the strength and we have the band around us and we have a confidence in God's Word and His relationship with us that we can move forward. What's at stake isn't your Bible reading plan. What's at stake is the gospel. What's at stake is your ability to be a person of truth amongst your family and your friends. 
What's at stake isn't false teaching creeping in and irreverent silly myths saying that well, you can only do Bible study if you stand on your left foot. We would all just shake that off as ridiculous. The problem is that a silly myth sneaks in and says, oh, you haven't done that? You haven't achieved that? You've never read the whole Old Testament? Do you even know Jesus? Oh, you haven't prayed in a while? You haven't taken time out of your day to talk to God for a month? You're probably not saved. You probably don't know Him. You haven't served in any capacity in the church? Do you even know Jesus? When that stuff starts to filter into your heart, it starts to filter into the church, people are crushed. They feel worthless. They feel unable. They feel incapable. We can't be like that. That's not what God is here for. It's not what He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for. He sent to wipe away all... That's why He says His burden is light. His yoke is easy. I think I got that switched in Matthew 11. It's about a relationship with a loving God who cares for you. And he wants to be with you. He wants to be your friend. And as we grow in our knowledge of the Word and our relationship in prayer and our love of worship of Him, then we can help fight back all those myths. That's the goal. Lives immersed in the Scripture so that others would be attracted to the truth of God. So what first steps do you need to take? If you feel weak in your study and knowledge of Scripture, we can shore that up. If you feel like you need to be around people, and we have this whole lunch coming up, be a little vulnerable and jump in with some people to grow closer together. Does it rack your brain when you're trying to pray? I don't know. You know what? There's been a lot of people over the years that have had prayer prompts and ways to engage with God. We can help with all of that. What you can't do is just set it on the shelf and say, I'll worry about that tomorrow. What steps do we need to help you take to get closer to God? That's our goal. That's our hope. All right. Let's pray. Dearly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the time that we've had in your word. And I pray, Lord, you'll help us all grow closer to you. Through relationship, through a group of people that are going to rally around us, um, through a deeper understanding of your word, for a passion to know you, through prayer and solitude, or in prayer and chaos. Um, help us, Lord, to strive and toil. We all have seasons where we can say that we felt closer to you, and seasons where we feel like you've been very far away. Help us not to focus on all of that. Just as you encouraged Timothy to focus on the hands that were laid upon him and encouraged him in his ministry, I pray you'll help us to remember how you saved us, how you stepped out of heaven to be with us, how you love us unconditionally, and let that be um, a spark that would light in our hearts so that we would grow closer to you. Help us to connect with people that can shore up our weaknesses and help us to grow. Um, so that we can share our faith with others. This world is desperate for hope, and we know his name. His name's Jesus. So help us to share that name. In your son's name we pray. Amen.